0: Welcome to Live Mike. I am Lee Lonsberry. Happy Monday. We made it through the weekend. A lot happened over the weekend, huh? It's some wild weather. Remember when uh, winter happened again? You see all those social media postings of snow up at the resorts and elsewhere? What the heck? Wasn't it ni- wasn't it mid-90s last week? I-, I remember running outside in a tank top, uh, sweating profusely, uh, getting a sunburn, and now it's snowing. And outside right now, it's not even north of 50. Snowing. Some places. Anyway, uh, we'll keep an eye on that weather. and give you updates throughout the day. The roads you hear are getting wet. That means uh, a little bit of added caution while you're out on Utah's roads. Though, what I really want to talk to you about right now are some of the events which transpired over the weekend regarding both our health, our battle against the coronavirus, as well as the protests which have taken place in streets around the state of Utah and around the country. Uh, Specifically, I want to talk about some of the relationships which are being built right now, right now as we speak. There are individuals on the phone and meeting with one another uh, from the side of the protesters as well as the side of law enforcement. We have here in Utah from nearly the very beginning of uh, this, this season of protests, we have seen members of law enforcement take a knee. You remember that was that one singular example early on? Then the next day, there were members of the Utah Army National Guard. And then, as the weekend approached, we saw images of Salt Lake City Police Chief Brown taking a knee alongside protesters. And then, on Saturday at Washington Square, we saw those uh, side-by-side kneeling images advance to hugs and handshakes and high-fives and a good spirit of working togetherness i think that's a good thing i think that's progress i think that what we are witnessing here in utah is exemplary not everyone agrees with that not everyone thinks that the protesters should be so supportive of police kneeling down next to them in fact in charlotte the chapter president of the naacp there says that protesters ought to resist that and that they're being exploited and that the police are looking to take advantage of imagery and such like that to forward their own agendas. What do you think about that? I'd like to hear your thoughts. The KSL News Radio comments line is 801 575 7668. When you see police officers kneeling alongside protesters, when you see them arm in arm together, Are you like me, and you see a wonderful example of individuals from various positions, from varied points of view, coming together, trying to understand one another, and work together towards a common good, a common goal of good? Or do you think someone's being exploited there? I'll tell you right now, I don't think so. When I see Chief Brown embracing... Protesters, I think that's a very good thing. I think that communicates to not only law enforcement, but also protesters that, you know, we are in this together. We are members of the same community. You know, regardless of what we do for a living, regardless of the color of our skin, regardless of how we go about communicating our positions. We are at the end of the day after the ultimate goal of goodness and understanding and fairness and safety and peace. So share with me your thoughts on that. 801-575-7668. Later on in the program, I'll play those back. Uh, We're also going to be speaking to Kamal Ahmad, a gentleman we have had here on the program a number of times. He was the organizer of Saturday's protest, the one that took place at Washington Square, the one where Mayor Mendenhall spoke, where Chief Brown spoke, where uh, the the coach himself, uh, Kamal Ahmad, where he spoke. He's a local educator and a resident of Salt Lake City. and When he saw the violence transpiring on the streets of Salt Lake City uh, two Saturdays ago, uh, it broke his heart. And he spoke out vocally, loudly, and he's gotten attention not only around the city and state, but around the country, and he certainly has my attention. And I'm grateful to him for joining us uh, time after time to explain uh, his views on things and to help us understand and know how to best aid in whatever this collective goal is uh, towards goodness and peace. We'll be speaking later on to Janetta Williams, president of the NAACP Salt Lake City branch. I have a few questions uh, for her. I'd also like to ask her for some advice. So be sure to tune in later on in the program to hear from Janetta Williams just after 2 o'clock. So that's the state of affairs on the protest front. That's where my head's at. That's how we'll be uh, discussing those issues on today's program. We'll also be speaking about the spread of the coronavirus. There's a heartbreaking reality that over the past week or so, we have seen a pretty significant uptick in the number of cases, a spike, if you will. We learned that a, a certain portion of that spike comes Uh, from reporting done by the Bear River Health Department. There's a meatpacking facility that has experienced a pretty significant positive rate amongst the tests administered to those working at that plant. We're going to speak with a representative from the Bear River Health Department, see how things are going in that neck of the woods. And it was just on Friday that after that massive, massive number, 500-plus positive cases was announced by Dr. Dunn, uh, that she discussed what was happening in the Bear River Health District.
1: We are supporting them. They're working directly with the facility to identify kind of- what was potentially the, the cause of the spread, um, and also identify additional, um, additional cases. And so right now, the really big focus is on investigating all of the positive cases that we're receiving, reaching out to their contacts to make sure their contacts are quarantined, and then of course, retesting the employees because the facility has been open this whole time. So we wanna make sure there's not ongoing spread.
0: Very briefly, Dr. Dunn, Angela Dunn, state epidemiologist, shared her reaction to the huge spike of last week.
1: We've been dealing with an increase for about a week. Um, This big jump has definitely made my heart stop.
0: And lastly, she discussed the timing of the spike compared to how people are feeling about the virus.
1: We're in the time of the outbreak where we're definitely in the acceleration phase. And unfortunately, we're also in the time of the outbreak when people are tired, right? We've been asking everybody to do really hard things and make Life changes that are uncomfortable with staying at home, wearing a mask, social distance, you know, don't do the things they're used to doing. And now we need those actions more than ever.
0: I read an interesting article over the weekend uh, published by CNN, and the headline is Quarantine Fatigue, Why Some of Us Have Stopped Being Vigilant and How to Overcome It. That is similar to the idea expressed just now, as you heard from Dr. Dunn, Quarantine Fatigue. And as I heard those words by Dr. Dunn on Friday, and as I dug into the explanation of this notion of quarantine fatigue published by CNN, I saw a lot of these attitudes playing out in my uh, in my own behavior. And I think for the for the most part, I do maintain many of the good bits of advice, like the social distancing and minimizing my travel, and I haven't found myself in the midst of big, large groups and such like that. But uh, you remember. Washing our hands all the time? I, I don't think that I'm washing my hands as often as I was when this first uh, became an issue. Uh, hand sanitizer, it used to uh, dot the surfaces all around my house. There were little bottles everywhere. And as I look around now, here from where I broadcast, well, I don't have any hand sanitizer on, on my desk here, nor on that bookshelf over there. It's a good reminder. Maybe we ought to redouble our efforts. We saw such great progress here uh, on the front of combating the coronavirus in Utah early on. We had such wonderful results, uh, good numbers compared to the rest of the country. And while we still enjoy uh, relatively good numbers, we here in Utah, we set our own standard. And uh, the, the numbers have gone up a little bit. And as you heard Dr. Dunn, her reaction was that her heart stopped. Not literally, of course. Uh, but it certainly uh, caught her off guard and gave her a start. We're going to take a break right now. When we come back, we'll be speaking with a spokesperson from the Bear River Health Department. Joshua Greer will be my guest. We're going to learn what is happening on that front if uh, that health department is uh, beyond its capacity and if there is anything that other departments can do to help, even at the state level. Joshua Greer, Bear River Health Department spokesman, my guest next on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio. Welcome back. You heard a moment ago I was discussing caution fatigue and quarantine fatigue. It's not just a cute phrase. It's an actual thing. It's an actual phenomenon that uh, afflicts us as human beings. It's an evolutionary thing. It comes from uh, a response from our amygdala. Oftentimes, if we are exposed to repeated warnings over and over and over, our sensitivity to those warnings can become reduced. Think about this. Uh, have you ever in your car, you've been driving, and you see the check engine light come on, and in that moment, you think, oh my gosh, this inc- this, this, this expense is going to kill me, uh, it's going to be an inconvenience, how am I going to take care of this, uh, so, so annoying, and you you tell yourself okay as soon as i get home or maybe this weekend i'll I'll look into this well you get home and uh you know one thing gets in front of you and you don't quite get the check engine light checked out uh, and then the next day comes and the day after that comes and then before you know it a month has passed and the check engine light is still on and yet the vehicle is running quite fine and you no longer are stressed out by that warning another example i'll give you i when i lived in washington dc We lived in an apartment building uh, where the fire alarm would go off quite regularly. (laughs) It was an annoyance, certainly. And I remember my wife and I, the first few times it went off, we were like sprinting to the stairwell. You know, you don't want to get in the elevator. You don't want to get trapped in there. We'd run downstairs. We'd get far away from the building, and we would stand out with a few other folks there waiting for the alarm to stop. Well, uh, we lived there a few years, and every month or so when the alarm would go off, I noticed that uh, slowly but surely, we were less and less quick to get up and head outside. And I can tell you what, we certainly uh, stopped using the stairs because you don't want to get outside all sweaty like that. So we would take the elevator, you know, even with the fire alarm running. And that's no good. That's no good. You know, what if the check engine light was indicating something real serious with the engine? And that putting it off ended up costing us much more than it would have cost to just get it checked out. How about in the apartment building? What happens the time where my wife and I relax our level of caution? We don't heed the good warnings and guidance of the fire department. We take the elevator and we get caught in there. It fills with, fills with smoke. And then we're in real trouble. And how about when we stop washing our hands, We stop wearing masks out in public, we forget about social distancing, and a spike in cases results. And we here in the state of Utah take two steps backwards after the three months which precede us have been a step forward. That's no good. Just my observation after coming in contact with that notion of quarantine fatigue, let's combat that. Let's do all we can to stay good, safe, and healthy. And I imagine that would be the advice shared with us by Josh Greer, who joins us now, spokesman for the Bear River Health Department. Josh, sir, how are you? Good. How are you? I'm hanging in there. I'm doing all right, trying to combat quarantine fatigue, maintain my vigilance and prudence, and I imagine you'd advise folks to do the same.
2: Absolutely. You, you brought up some good points there. Well taken.
0: Thanks a lot. What's the, what's the status with your health department? What is going on in your neck of the woods?
2: Yeah, obviously we've got a little bit of a spike going on up here. Uh, we, we were doing pretty good. Until about a couple weeks ago when our spike or our numbers started increasing. A uh, short story, we, we did some mass testing at one of the meatpacking facilities up here and found a lot of positive cases of COVID. Uh, definitely, definitely uh, reinforces the idea that, man, if you're sick, please don't go to work. <laughs> yeah.
0: Do you attribute all the, the whole spike in your region to what has, what's transpired at that meat, fat, meat processing plant?
2: Uh, we, we cannot attribute all of them. But, but what I do know, my, our numbers just came through this morning. We, we finalized them. Our uh, mass testing event, we tested just over 1,000 people. And 287 of those actually came back positive. So from that one mass testing event, we, we had a, a number of people. Uh, so, so that absolutely the majority of the tests that we've seen over the last week and a half or so. But certainly there, there's still plenty of people out there that weren't part of that testing. We, we know this is out there in the community otherwise as well.
0: You rely on state and private labs to run the, the majority, if not all, of your tests. And uh, are, are there issues that resolve from that reliance? Has there been new communication between uh, your department and the state and private labs? What's the situation when it comes to the execution of tests in your region?
2: Oh, oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Typically what we see is when someone gets tested, they're going to have a result within 24 to 48 hours. And these labs, uh, they all report to the state health department. They're, uh, they've got a system they report through. And then we get notification of any positive test in our health district. And so 24, 48 hours is what we're usually seeing. We can notify somebody. We can, We can get them isolated like they should be. Um, but what we did notice, especially with this mass testing event, we we started this on on Saturday a week ago, mm-hmm. and it took days. It, it was Thursday night before we started seeing results. And so, yeah, yeah, we've had communication with the state uh, as to to what caused the delay. and we we certainly hope not to see that again. the The longer a test result takes to come in, uh, the more chance we have of, of somebody being out in the community spreading uh, an illness that we don't want spread.
0: Your situation is such that it uh, has you have welcomed in the assistance of a federal agency, the CDC. Uh, what's going on right now between your department and the CDC?
2: Yeah, yeah. So the CDC, they they haven't arrived yet. They're supposed to uh, arrive midweek up here. Uh, what happened with all of these cases, we're, we're a small department, mm-hmm. and when when you make all the phone calls to the positive cases and then reach out to all of their contacts, we've just got an overwhelming amount of people that we need to be in communication with. And so we have reached out to a number of state resources and local resources as well as the CDC. And what they're doing, they're sending us a team uh, of a handful, probably, probably about five epidemiologists with, with a lot of experience doing this that can take some of that burden from us they're sending up a lab coordinator who who will be a liaison with our labs and can really help with our lab results and then they've also got a technical individual that that has experience working with industry especially with meat plants that can go out and just work with some of these industries and make sure that proper controls are in place and employees are are being allowed to stay home when they're when they're sick and really get that up and running like it needs to be
0: Logan, and the rest of the region within the state located within your health district is right now at the yellow uh, risk level. That's uh, that's low. Has your department uh, considered recommending a, a change from that, either returning to or- or orange or in some other direction?
2: Um, as of right now, we, we have not... Uh entertained a, a request like that to go to the governor's office. What, what our response is to that is we, we, we're trying to remind people that this is a personal responsibility. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it doesn't matter what we close, what we open. What matters is how well we as individuals are at following that guidance, the the social distancing, the staying home when you're sick, Face coverings, the washing your hands. We can do that, and and still, I mean, be yellow. We could we could be green for that matter if individuals would would take that on and say, you know what, I, I'm going to watch out for my friends, my family, and those around me. And if I'm sick, I'm going to stay home. There you go. And we, we think that that's the message that needs to get out that this is an individual responsibility. Uh, you know, we're we're certainly not the economists, and we know the governor has a lot on his plate when it comes to. Uh, balancing public health and the economy and we certainly want to see businesses thrive as well and and so we do we we have to put the burden on ourselves as individuals
0: i I agree 100 percent josh greer thank you so much bay river health department spokesman my guest on live mike best of luck to you up there good luck when the cdc shows up uh let's get these numbers down thanks again for your time sir all right thank you all righty quick break when we return we're going to shift gears we're going to pay attention again to the protests of this past weekend and the uh, th- those who gathered together at Washington Square on Saturday, uh, to rally. In particular, we'll be joined again by Kamal Ahmad, a local educator and resident of Salt Lake City next on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio.